welcome back to our Catholic Evangelization Outreach. We've been on a little hiatus since May, and we're so excited to be back here starting up again. And it's great to see uh, the pews filled with some uh, familiar faces and folks who've come back again, so we appreciate it. If this, this is your first time, welcome. We're excited to have you here. My name is Lisa Bellafato, and I'm a parishioner here at St. Margaret Mary, and I'm part of the CEO team. Uh, we have a great group of individuals that have helped to put this program on, and we're excited to share it with you tonight. Um, I've been involved in a few different things here at the parish. Uh, most recently, our Christ Renews His Parish, and it's just exciting to get to be part of this program and to continue to share God's love and some opportunities for us to strengthen our relationship with the Lord. Today's reading at church remind us of the worldly temptation that, that are always around us and draw our attention away from God. In Luke's gospel, we learn that we cannot serve two masters. We must make a choice. Tonight's speaker will share her story of how she faced that choice in a powerful and life-changing way. And now it's my pleasure to introduce tonight's speaker, Lou Steyer. Lou was born in Barstown, Kentucky, but spent most of her formative years in Springfield, Kentucky, where she attended St. Dominic Catholic School and the public high school. After graduating, she moved to Louisville, where she worked in the insurance and financial fields. She and her husband, Steve, have been married 40 years and have three children and five grandchildren. They have been members at St. Margaret Mary Parish for 10 years. Lou serves as the team leader for CEO. She facilitates the Thursday morning Bible studies and is currently training to be a spiritual director for the Women's Christ Renews His Parish team. Please join me in a warm welcome for Lou. Okay, can you hear me now? someone had told me 23 years ago that I would be standing up here tonight telling my story, witnessing to my relationship with Christ, I would have told them that they were crazy. That just wasn't who I was. So who am I? My name is Lou Steyer. I'm the middle child born to parents James and Geneva Osborne, one of 11 children. Growing up in the small town of Springfield, Kentucky, our lives revolved around our neighborhood and the Catholic Church and School of St. Dominic's, which was within walking distance from our home. As a child, I loved going to church and talking with Jesus. The beauty there, the peacefulness, it just drew me. It was like being in another world. Of course, my prayer was childlike. The church there was filled with statues, and my favorite was the little statue of Prague. You might know it as the Christ child who was always dressed in royal vestments, and he wore a little crown atop his head. In our church, uh, his vestments were made out of fabric, and they would actually change the one that he would wear to match the liturgical seasons. So the doll seemed much like, or the statue seemed much like a doll, and I grew attached to it. 
My prayer consisted of saying things like, Jesus, I love you so much. I wish I could take you home with me. As I said, childlike prayer. The Catholic nuns who taught in our elementary school made sure we were educated in the faith. One very young nun who taught me would let me stay after school to help her. She would tell stories of the saints and give me beautiful pictures to take home. These were treasures to me. I loved looking at them and, grow, and thinking about growing up to be just like them. In those days, they were my superheroes. While all the pictures were beautiful, I especially favored the ones of the Virgin Mary. She was special. She was the chosen one. The one who was blessed with giving the favor of bearing the Christ child. I would lay awake at night sometimes and cry, praying, why couldn't I have been the one chosen to be the mother of Jesus? A childlike prayer soon to be forgotten. Forgotten because as I grew older, I began to pursue worldly desires. Church wasn't important. I thought that I could always fool my parents by uh, picking up a bulletin on Sundays and bringing it home to make them think I'd gone to church. Then I could go and really do something that was interesting for an hour. My relationship with Christ disappeared as I began to concentrate on pleasing myself instead of pleasing God. As with many teenage girls, uh, love, or perhaps more accurate, my romantic idea of love, was the desire that I focused on most. I say romantic because most of us have a fantasy idea of what love is at that age. We don't understand the concept of love as self-sacrifice, total giving of oneself to another. At least in my experience, I was not taught what the church teaches about the theology of the body. There were a lot of voices speaking about sexuality at the time, telling us that love should be free. There weren't any restrictions to be placed on. We could choose what we wanted to do with our bodies. And since I wasn't focused on God, but the world, I bought into that idea. Growing up, I had always been a good student, uh, obedient, dependable, and honest. I became what they know as the dreaded, rebellious teenager. I was angry at my parents for trying to hold me back from being who I wanted to be. And I began sneaking around, falling into what I will just say were questionable activities. I had my own desires to be filled. I wanted to live life my way. I wanted to be me. So of course, this is where a boy comes in. I thought I was in love with him, so I changed who I was. I would be and do whatever I needed to be and do in order to attract the object of my affections. When we cast God out of our lives, we lose who we truly are, and we become a master of disguises. We're no longer the authentic human being that God created us to be. So. The pursuit of my worldly desires led me further and further from that little girl who sat with Jesus in the church 
wanting to take him home. Immediately upon graduation from high school at the age of 17, I left home and I got an apartment, a job, and a car. Now I was an independent woman. This meant I could live my life my way and I wasn't subject to anyone else's rules. Of course, most of the time, it meant living check to check and eating a lot of peanut butter. But it was great. I could be who I wanted to be. I was still involved at the time in that tumultuous relationship with Boy, and that ended one evening when we were supposed to go to a party and he stood me up again. During the evening, in an effort to get away from another guy who was putting the moves on me, I turned in desperation to a man standing beside me who I didn't know. And I boldly asked him if he wanted to go swimming. He was the means to an end, so I used it. But as God would have it, this stranger, Steve, became my husband in 1976. We had three children, Stephanie, Tracy, and Brian. Our middle child, Tracy, was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, an incurable disease, when she was three years old. She is now 37 and doing quite well. But at the time, we were told that the average life expectancy with CF was in the teens. This was a difficult diagnosis to accept. How could we live with this prognosis? One might have thought that this would cause me to turn back to God. But it didn't. Being a person who always had to be in control, I only looked to myself. So here I was, 36 years old, a wife and a mother of three children, one of whom required much more care. Life was busy with the ordinary demands of the week, and each moment was filled with activity. Our children were enrolled in Catholic school, so as a family, we went to Mass on Sundays. This was not because I wanted to, but because you were supposed to, and because my husband thought that we really needed to set an example for our children. During this period of my life, I was simply existing. Each day looked much like the one before it, doing what I had to do each day, work, cook, clean, chauffeur, sleep, and then get up and do it all again the next day. More and more, I would find myself questioning, was this all there is to life? Was this really who I was meant to be? Then one day, everything changed. I rushed home after a long day at work and I hurried upstairs to my bedroom to get undressed. Dinner needed to be prepared before the evening's flurry of activity could begin. There was cheerleading practice for one daughter, basketball practice for my son, and my oldest daughter wanted to go over to the youth group at St. Agnes Barn. I was frustrated and worn out. It seemed like there were always so many things to do, and because of my husband's work schedule, I was the only one doing them. Out of my frustration came the words, God, how will I get everything done? Now you might think, finally, 
she gets back to prayer. Certainly it was not a prayer, uh, as I really hadn't prayed for quite some time. And as is so common today, I was simply using the Lord's name in vain. As I frantically ripped off my clothing, I suddenly sensed that there was someone in the room. My bedroom at the time was approximately 13 by 15, so there weren't a lot of hiding places there. Startled, I looked around to see who it was, but my eyes could see no one. Then suddenly, I was filled with the knowledge of who it was and immediately just fell to my knees. I covered myself so that I could not be seen. You know how you try to hide the naked body with your arms? That's what I did. Of course, it was not my body I was trying to hide. As I knelt there, my life started to play out before me, like a slideshow of moments. A full lifetime of all the things that I had ever done, along with all the things I failed to do. It seemed to take forever. The review of my life continued, and I was powerless to turn it off. I just felt such shame there, cowering there on my knees, in my nakedness, trying to hide from the one who knew me. But there is nothing that is hidden from him. He tells us this in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. No creature is concealed from him, but everything is naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must render an account. Do you remember someone else who was naked before God? Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis were naked in the garden. They were naked without shame, the scripture says. But after, in chapter 3, after the fall, they covered themselves. Like them, it was not my state of undress that left me feeling exposed, but the state of my soul. I've since heard people speaking of having an experience similar to this as they died on an operating table prior to being brought back. But I was alive. I wasn't dead. At least not physically. What I realize now is worse than that. I was dead spiritually. In James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, we read, Rather, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire conceives and brings forth sin. And when sin reaches maturity, it gives birth to death. Whatever the form of death, whether it's physical, psychological, or spiritual, God wants to call us out of the grave that we're lying in. So back to that moment in my room. While this illumination of my life seemed nearly unbearable, I've always thought that if I had really seen the full reality of how my life had affected others, how I had offended God, I would have died in that moment. But I didn't. And that was God's mercy. 
just as quickly as, my, as the illumination of my life was finished, I felt this overwhelming love. It just washed over me. Love more immense than any I've ever known before. I wish I could find the words that could accurately describe this, but I've never been able to. The only way I can find to describe it is perfect love. It wrapped around me like a soft, warm blanket, totally enveloping me and bringing with it peace. And in that moment, I knew I was forgiven, completely forgiven. And then it was over. What had seemed to take forever playing out was really over in just seconds. God's time, I suppose. He must have known I needed all those seconds to get everything done that night. I got up and went about my business, again, doing what I had to do. Now, it might strike you odd that I just got up and went about my evening. But you see, God didn't want to interfere with my life. He just wanted to share it. When I got up off my knees, I was not the same person. I thank God not only for the grace to see myself as I was, but more importantly, to understand who I was called to be. Through his mercy and love, I have been given the opportunity to become who he had created me to be. Life did not become instantly perfect. It was still the same old life, the same old problems, the same demands and temptations. But in the midst of that same old life, I changed. I now had a peace that was beyond understanding. Even in the chaos of that same life, I had peace. This peace that I experienced left me wanting to know this Jesus again. My circle of friends did not include anyone who ever talked about Jesus or ever said they loved him. I couldn't tell them what had just happened. They would think I was crazy. How could I possibly explain to them that I was called to be holy? Holy? I knew I was called to be holy. We are all called to be holy. What does that mean? At the time, I associated holiness as something akin to being a Jesus freak. To tell you the truth, holiness frightened me. I began to go to daily Mass, me who had to be convinced by my husband that we needed to set that example for the children. Something had happened to the Mass. Each word of every prayer held such deep meaning and beauty. It captivated me. All these years later, I'm still captivated by the Mass. My crash course in all things Catholic began. Rosary, adoration, scripture, confession. Each of these treasures of the Catholic Church were something I had to learn about again. As I said earlier, it had been so long since I'd made any effort to pray that I didn't really know how to pray. So, careful that no one would see me go in, 
I went to Tanini's bookstore and bought the little blue Pieta prayer book. And God made things simple for me. Within that prayer book, one of the first prayers I found mentioned being afraid of holiness. I prayed that prayer over and over until I was no longer afraid of holiness. I came to desire holiness. Even though I knew that I had been completely forgiven, I also knew something else. I would have to go to confession. How I dreaded that. 20 years since I had been. But somehow I knew the importance of that one act. It took me several weeks to get up the courage to go ask our priest to hear my confession. The thing about the sacrament of reconciliation is that it's God's love made manifest to us. As much as I felt the shame of how I'd been living my life, God was there to forgive me. He's always there to forgive me, no matter what I do. Some people might tend to think that the way I was living was not so bad. We do tend to compare ourselves against others. But I knew in my heart that it was contrary to what God intended for me. Our sin is all relative to our knowledge. Knowing that gave me compassion for others. People had always known me as a very opinionated person. I easily judged others and could hold a grudge a long time. That runs in my family. Now sins of others have a different effect on me. As I hear of the terrible things that people have done, I have more of a willingness to forgive rather than criticize and know that but for the grace of God, there go I. Part of the learning of that forgiveness came from praying the Our Father. Each time that I came to the line, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, I found myself wanting to add, only better, because I knew that my brand of forgiveness was a long way from where it needed to be. We can't put qualifiers on our willingness to forgive. Adoration was going on in my parish at the time, and not knowing what to expect, I slipped into the church and sat in the very last pew one evening. Upon exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, I felt like that little girl again, sitting in the church, talking with Jesus. I began slipping into the church every day to spend some quiet time in front of the tabernacle. It was during those times that I was most certain of who I was. And remember that I said I knew no one who loved the Lord? Well, I wonder if they had just lost their connection with him in the same way I had. But Jesus meets our every need, and he surrounded me slowly but surely with people who knew him and loved him. Holy Scripture. It became my story. Every single story in that book could have been mine. I found direction, answers, comfort, and love. And I saw that the story continues through me. 
The thought that God allows us to participate in salvation history overwhelms me. He calls us to be his disciples. We hear this so often that it no longer astonishes us. God has a plan, and he allows us to play a part. Once again, I was getting to know Jesus through others, through scripture, mass, through spending time with him in prayer and in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I was reading and learning everything I could about him, always searching for more. I was insatiable. I began to see that there was more to life, more than just getting through the day, more to who I am. His love, his perfect love, was all I needed. As St. Augustine said, the only thing that can feel the longing of our hearts, love. Not the romantic love of my early years, but true, perfect love. It was only after spending so much time with Jesus, learning Jesus, that I could share him with others. Clearly, I was on my way to becoming a disciple of Christ. I had not set out to become one, but I was becoming a disciple without even knowing it. Like water changing into wine, a miracle of God's grace through his love, Jesus left the disciples the mission of building the church. He left us that mission too. We are called to evangelize. So I began. I found myself getting involved in many parish activities, witnessing to my experience in order to bring others to Christ. I got involved with the RCIA team and was also a sponsor sharing the gospel with those who were interested in the Catholic faith. I took on leadership roles for the Holy Hour so that others could spend time with Christ. I was preparing retreat opportunities for the women in my church, and I was facilitating Bible studies. These were all things that I would have never taken on, never thought I would be gifted at. But somehow my desire to share Christ with others overruled my fears and my insecurities. I had found true love. I want everyone to know the love that he has to offer, to have the peace that he has to give. And never do I want to just simply exist again. I was discovering who I was, who I am called to be, a child of God, holy. Then came a day at Mass when I heard a loud, booming voice. You can give birth to me every day. The voice was so loud that I just knew everyone had heard it. But no, it was just me that heard, deep in the recesses of my heart. Jesus was answering the prayer of a little girl long ago who had asked, why couldn't she have been the mother of Jesus? Of course, I still fall short of giving birth to him every day in so many ways. None of us are a finished product. In the book, Massive Spirituality, by Mike Iaconelli, he says, Jesus understood unfinishedness very well, which is why he was comfortable leaving 11 unfinished disciples. When he died, the disciples were confused, depressed, and doubtful. 
They faced a lifetime of finishing, just like you and me. Messy spirituality not only reminds us we will always be a work in progress, it also reminds us that the unfinished life is a lot more spiritual than we imagined. So in my unfinishedness, I just try my best to live as his disciple, trying to judge everything I do against his word and sharing the gifts I have been given. Our stories are meant to be shared. We're called to be a living Bible, a shining light to help others come to the knowledge of who they are. So how about you? Are you simply existing? Do you want more out of life? Would you like to experience the love that is perfect? I challenge you to take one step. This week, pray. Tell Jesus that you want to know him more. Give yourself to him and see what happens in your life. One week can make a difference. You might actually find out who you are. So who am I? I am his. I've always been his, even when I lost sight of that. Thank you. Lou, thank you. That was beautiful. So in closing, we're just so happy that you all were able to be here with us this evening. And we ask for your prayers to, uh, for us so CEO can continue. We can continue to get some great speakers to share the good news. So thank you again, Lou, for the wonderful story that you shared with us. Our next talk will be on October 16th. And we have flyers in the back, so you can make sure you get one so you can mark your calendar. And our speaker next time is Bill Burnham, and he shares his story, and I love the title. It's called, Get Me Out of Here. And Bill says that he was a back pew Catholic who struggled with making a full commitment to his faith. And God gently nudged him forward to the front pew and a deeper relationship where his light would shine. Bill knew that he was far from being a light for his family, or anyone else for that matter, and soon he would fail to be a light for his own kids. So please join us next month on October 16th to hear Bill's story of faith and transformation. We also have another treat for you as part of the CEO series, and you'll definitely want to mark your calendar so you don't miss this wonderful event. And it will be held on January 15th, so we'll be starting the new year with this, and our CEO speaker for that month will be Archbishop Joseph Kurtz. So we're very excited to have him join us, and he will share his story of his faith journey. So we hope you all can be here with us to hear that story. I'm sure it's going to be very amazing to hear that as well. So our program will continue in the hospitality room for cookies, coffee, and fellowship. And we look forward to getting to spend some time with you in the hospitality room, and we look forward to seeing you at our next CEO event on October 16th. So thank you all again for being here. We appreciate it. And thank you, Lou.